from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Championship games can make legends. Championship games can make moments. But championship games can also create new faces that an entire sport can market around. And I think that's what happened last night. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, I don't think anybody was surprised. I don't think you were surprised. I know our group text wasn't surprised. None of us were surprised to see UConn beat San Diego State last night for the national championship. But as we wake up this morning and everybody thinks about what's next, it's not just about the parade that Dan Orlovsky isn't getting me into in Connecticut. No, it's also about what's going to happen next year and moving forward. Connecticut's already the Vegas favorite for next season. They have the best odds to win the championship. I should say tied with UCLA for the best odds to win the championship. ESPN.com's front page has the way too early top 25. Can anyone take Take down Connecticut. And I just keep thinking about what we saw last night. We saw a team win a championship with a coach in Dan Hurley that felt like he took that first massive step towards becoming the new face of men's college basketball. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it's becoming. Uh, Dan Hurley, a phenomenal guy. And you look at his family background from his Hall of Fame high school coach, his father, Bob Hurley, to his brother, uh, Bobby Hurley as well. We all knew what he meant to the University of uh, Duke, uh, Duke University when he was on those uh, fantastic teams. But the toughness of Dan Hurley, right? And think about this now. When you have a Hall of Fame head coaching father in high school, you have a brother who played at the highest level at Duke. Sometimes, you know, you can fall in the shadow, right, of both of those guys. But he's been able to get this UConn program back on track, winning the national championship yesterday. And when you look at the rest of college coaches, right, when you, you talk about blue blood programs, but you talk about those coaches that, are, have, that have solidified themselves in college basketball, Bill Self, Tom Izzo, Calipari, Rick Patino, Scott Drew, Tony Bennett, all of those guys who won a national championship uh, in which they're still active coaching, Dan Hurley is on the, I think, the cups of becoming, I think, a coach that can potentially be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. When you look at what they have coming back next season, you look at the recruiting class that they have coming in, I don't see, even though it's hard to repeat, I don't see what university is going to be able to beat them next season if he keeps the mindset that he has right now, which is toughness, defense, and tenacity. They have those three things at UConn, and they've been able to do it without McDonald's All-Americans. I feel like there's an, a level of expectation, too. When you talk about expectations, you talk about Dan Hurley. Obviously, his family, as you mentioned, has a ton of legacy with the family name. He talked about last night in the press conference after winning what this title meant for that specifically. Obviously, for me, you know, I've had my own path, my own journey. Um, I think a lot of people... Um, maybe I've and I've probably done it to myself by being so such an intense fiery coach that people have always focused more on you know the sideline kind of antics than they have on you know my total body of work over the course of my career there's not many coaches um, you know that were as, ex- as successful as my teams were at St. Benedict's um, 
you know, at Wagner in Rhode Island. Somebody coached in the country that have won 25 games or more in three different programs and now have a national championship. So, um, obviously, there's a certain level of validation that's going to come from this. There's a level of swagger and confidence to what Hurley says, how he says it, even within the game last night, some of the courtside interviews that were going on during the game. And he seemed so confident in exactly where the team was. Even going into the half, he said, you know, I'm a little disappointed we're not up by 20. We're missing some layups. You, you think about the way he carries himself, and it just it's, it's easy to understand who he is. The name has recognition for generations, obviously. Connecticut gets a fifth championship in 25 years. The program rises back to heights that we're used to seeing the program in in, in recent history. But through all of that process, it also feels like it just sort of makes the caricature of Dan Hurley grow just a little bit in all of this. And I only think about it because we really thought Jay Wright, we thought Coach K, without those types of coaches in college basketball, you start to ask yourself, who's going to be the next guy? Coaches are really what college sports market themselves after. Who's going to be the next guy? Harry, I feel like last night, Dan Hurley winning, but also Dan Hurley just being being so authentic to who he is, like it or yep. not, uh, I, that really those are the sorts of things you build billboards around, you sell around going into next season. Well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things or a few of the things that, you know, players look at when it comes to a head coach, is he confident? Dan Hurley is confident, right? Does he believe what he's teaching and he's preaching? It's evident that the players for UConn believe so, because they went out there and won a national championship. And when, they, when Dan Hurley gets on those guys, it's no that much back and forth. They respect him that much because they know how bad he wants to win, but also they know and understand that he wants those guys to be successful as possible. And they were able to win a national championship. Just watching them in the half-court set, though, Fitz, you're talking about a disciplined basketball team in the half-court set, ball movement, cutting, spacing, you know, getting the correct shots, not shooting wild shots. These are the things that we've seen from UConn and their basketball team throughout the NCAA tournament, not just in a championship game. I just watched last night the quality shots that they were able to get over and over and over again. And those guys who at whichever five was on the basketball court, whether it was defensively or offensively, getting the best shot possible that, on that possession. I feel like, too, when you mentioned how well they played, there was a balance to it. Uh, defensively, nothing came easy for San Diego State. Now, I think, you know, uh, we mentioned yesterday, could they generate enough points? Could they be consistent enough offensively? Early on, both teams started hot. I thought, wow, maybe we got this whole game wrong. And then it sort of hit the skids, and San Diego State suddenly couldn't find any easy shots. They, they lacked somebody that could just on their own create some sort of a magical shot that everybody had to account for. The other side of it is San Diego State was really praised coming into that game for their rebounding rightfully so but when you look at the way that game was playing out Connecticut was getting to all of those loose balls faster right so when you talk about just the expectation that's been created within the program and you talk about Hurley's style as a coach well they played defense with a level of urgency they had great shot selection on the offensive uh, side and then they out hustled their opponent to to win the rebounding battle for much of that game that's a pretty easy, like, I don't care what level of basketball you're playing. When you win all three of those categories, you are going to win that game. And it just felt like the expectation, even through the way he handled the Final Four in the Sweet 16, there was a moment in the locker room when he came in afterwards and said, guys, 
hard for me to be, you know, yelling and jumping and screaming when I expected us to be here. You know, it's just the way he carries himself is so different than a lot of the coaches we've seen in college basketball right now. And he's so vocal in that. It, that's part of what makes me feel like he becomes one of the guys because Connecticut certainly is recruited well. Their recruiting class, I think, is number four in the country coming into next year. Uh, they're going to have a lot of guys returning on this team. Uh, as I said, ESPN.com already asking, can anyone take them down? It's not just about Connecticut winning games. It's about the the rise of Hurley in the process that I think really becomes a, a, a stable, like one of the pillars that college basketball will market around for the next 10 years. See, if we talk about, when you talk about the game of football, you talk about situational football. Well, I believe it's the same thing when it comes to basketball, situational basketball. It was a time last night in that game with five minutes to go, right? And San Diego State had cut the lead to five points. But the awareness of their head coach, Dan Hurley, it was three people I thought in that situation that should have got the ball for UConn offensively. So no go, uh, Newton or uh, Hawkins. He called the play for Hawkins. Hawkins came down, hit a three-pointer that put them up eight. I thought that was the most clutch basket of the ball game, but the, it was the awareness of Dan Hurley going to one of his best players when they needed a timely bucket. And after that eight-point um, lead that was that was previously five, uh, UConn went on and sailed to a national championship victory. I thought that was a big play in the game. You're right. That was an absolute dagger, and it took all of the wind out of San Diego State sales. Congratulations, Connecticut, your men's national champions. Obviously not surprised by the outcome on this show. We both predicted that would be the case, uh, but incredible to watch them go out and dominate last night. Congratulations not just on a national championship for UConn, but also for the way they played that entire tournament. We'll keep breaking it down, but coming up, Todd McShay has his latest mock draft on ESPN.com. One pick speaks volumes about the what the league is thinking about a former MVP. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. and Harry, the podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. As we inch closer and closer to the NFL draft at the end of this month, every single mock gives us a better expectation of how teams, insiders, and the best of the best are viewing the top of the draft. And the newest mock draft from Todd McShay raises a real question about value. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, go out to ESPN.com, check out McShay's mock draft. 
Of note, I've said several times, I'm going to stand by the fact that, Harry, I think quarterbacks are going one, two, three, and four. But people are finally coming along to this uh, way of thinking. By the way, don't forget, every pick of the draft will be on ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin are going to do a great job hosting that with some great guests around him. Harry and I will be doing it digitally wherever you consume ESPN on uh, new media platforms, social media platforms, YouTube, all those places. We'll be part of a massive dream team. Also getting you caught up on everything you need to know for the first couple of days of the draft. So uh, we've got you covered all across the board. But Harry, quarterbacks going one, two, three in McShay's draft isn't shocking. What's interesting is that the third pick is Anthony Richardson to the Colts in his mock. He's got the Cardinals trading uh, out of that pick with the Colts who are trading up to get Anthony Richardson. It raises that question of why are you trading up for Anthony Richardson when you could use that equity if you wanted to, for example, to trade for one Lamar Jackson? Well, uh, I... You got to look at it like this. Jim Ursay is probably saying in this spot with Todd Todd having him mock right there, uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts at three, that they probably want a quarterback on a rookie deal, right? And you're guaranteed that you're going to be able to have that guy for six years. When you look at the four-year contract, you pick up the fifth-year option, and then you can also franchise tag them uh, versus, you know, trading – you know, all those picks for Lamar Jackson and then also got to give him a fully guaranteed deal if that's what Lamar wants. So I think, you know, Jim Ursay will probably look at it in that capacity, but also they're moving up to number three uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, not giving anyone else that leeway to leapfrog them at four and have that same opportunity. Leapfrog is interesting. By the way, uh, check out McShay's mock out on ESPN.com. Will Levis is not in the top ten. So I I should point out that for all the quarterback uh, conversation we've had, he's got a fall for Will Levis here, and that's a a theme we've seen in a few places. But also, you know, Peter King was talking about yesterday, there's a a belief that everyone's just presuming the Texans will take a quarterback, that whoever Carolina doesn't pick. That seems to be the presumption. But he also makes a case for why that may not be what they do. They may want to sit there and take Will Anderson out of Alabama. You want to talk about massive chaos? If Bryce <laughs> Young is sitting there at the third overall pick, this isn't about the Colts. This is like th- this is about ten teams that may suddenly be willing to give up a king's bounty to move yeah. to number three. Because like Bryce Young is going to get a, f- a far higher value on the trade market in my mind than Anthony Richardson will. Well. I'll say this. If you look at it from that case, and we've heard Jim Ursay come out and talk about, you know, Bryce Young and how much uh, the Colts adore him or whatnot. If C.J. Stroud is taking number one, and if you are the uh, the Colts and you leapfrog at number three and Houston don't take a quarterback at number two, then you're really sitting in the perfect position to be able to get the guy that you started talking about when this whole draft thing started uh, taking place. Oh, there's so, no... There's, so so, so they're, they're sitting in the perfect spot. And then also... If you're a team behind that had high hopes of trying to get, you know, Anthony Richardson, now that's on the table now for teams uh, behind the Colts drafting. Uh, Yeah, but I'm saying that if you're Arizona and you're picking third overall and Houston doesn't take a quarterback, whatever the Colts thought they were going to pay for that third pick is going to go way up. Because, uh, look, there were multiple reports that the Raiders were in trying to aggressively move up to first overall to get the quarterback of their choosing. Uh, If that quarterback happens to be Bryce Young, then, look, it's not as simple as trade up to three anymore. The Raiders will pay a King's ransom. Like, uh, if you're Tampa Bay, will you pay a King's ransom? If you're uh, go up and down the list of any team that needs a quarterback, Bryce Young is still widely regarded by many to be the best quarterback in this draft. 
if C.J. Stroud goes first overall and then, you know, the, the, the second overall pick is just used simply to take by the Texans to take the best player available, the third overall pick is going to become the wild, wild west, like a free-for-all of teams that are running up trying to make some sort of a trade. I, I, that would be what you and me, you and I together yeah. with the whole group on air, if the third overall pick it happens and Bryce Young is still sitting there, that is going to be chaos in our broadcast. Well, and that's what you want if you're the Arizona Cardinals, right? Because that means more draft capital for them. They have a new head coach in, um, in Jonathan Gannon. They have a new general manager. So if you can get as much draft capital as possible, that'll be phenomenal for Arizona. That's probably one thing Arizona is rooting for right now is that the Houston Texans don't take Bryce Young if they decide if the Carolina Panthers decide to go C.J. Stroud with number one. The Texans don't take Bryce Young, and now that number three pick has become – not only more valuable than it was beforehand, but really, really enticing to a lot of other teams as well. Well, my God, and if you're the Colts and you really want Anthony Richardson, you're sitting there at this point with the fourth overall pick. Are you just going to sit in four and say, look, y'all fight over Bryce Young. We want Anthony Richardson anyway. Like This is why it gets so crazy and why I keep making this analogy. I'll make it all the way until draft night. Uh, There are four quarterbacks. It's like having one scoop of ice cream left with four very different flavors. What we don't know is what team is hot on which flavor. Right, So if C.J. Stroud goes first overall and third overall we're sitting there and the rest of the quarterbacks are on the board, that could create chaos. The fourth overall pick could create chaos. Like That's what's interesting and part of the reason that I think this gets complicated when you factor in Lamar Jackson in the conversation is how can you answer the question of whether or not you'd rather have Lamar until you know how the draft board plays out and what your real options were. This isn't just, to your point, this isn't just Lamar versus a college quarterback. This is also Lamar's contract versus a college quarterback yep. contract. It's how ready is your team to win right now versus what they could get if they had a few years to build around it. Like all of these variables. So that's part of why I just feel like the Lamar uh, the Lamar market might need to wait until after the first round of the draft for teams to really figure out where they want to be on it. And that's okay. It, that's okay, right? A lot of people are probably complaining about how things are moving so slow with Lamar Jackson. But let's see how things pan out during the draft and also after the draft where we have a lot more uh, I'll say a surety of, of these teams and where they are quarterback-wise. Also, I want to look at the Seahawks at five, though, because right now they're, uh, Todd has them sl- slide to take Jalen Carter, and that's with Anthony Richardson already being gone. Now, if Anthony Richardson is still on the board, I don't know if Seattle actually takes Jalen Carter there. Right, they might take Anthony Richardson and, and allow him to sit behind Geno Smith and learn the game and you know get better as a quarterback and grow in that capacity. So it's a lot of things that could be shaken up if Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever, isn't taken at number two by the Houston Texans. Let's just say a quarterback isn't taken by the Houston Texans at number two. Yeah, and as a lover of chaos, if that's if that's what happens, I'm doing cartwheels. Like I can't actually do a cartwheel, but on the show I'm going to try and do a cartwheel because that means everything's about to get just absolutely insane. And remember a couple of years ago when the 49ers traded up and everybody mm-hmm. was convinced they traded up to get Mac Jones and then all of a sudden you find out no, they traded up for Trey Lance. This this is very similar to me even if there's a trade before the draft. Until that team's actually on the clock, I don't think we have any clue what they're going to do with where they are right now. That's that's unprecedented, man. Like, usually we have a pretty good idea by now of what the top three or four picks are going to look like, how it's going to play out. I think, honestly, right now we are sitting in the most unpredictable top five that we've seen in my now six years covering the draft. Like, it's just, it is insane to think about how many variables, how many fork-in-the-road moments there will be from all of this and how what we don't know is any of these teams that, that but, but, might but be sitting it, there wanting a quarterback will, will act. But isn't that the beauty of the draft, though? 
Like that that's that's one of the reasons why we, we feel like this is one of the best things to cover because of the suspense and what we don't know leading up into those moments. Right. And you I hear a lot of people complain about the time that these teams use on the clock. Well, these time these teams are trying to use every second that they can because of the potential aspect of trading up, trading down or what you can get asset wise if you decide to do so. So that's why the NFL draft is so spectacular and phenomenal. And I love every year tuning in, but also being a part of the broadcast. Yeah, it's there's a, a hope to the entire process that's wild and different. And the funny thing is, it's things like McShay's mock right now on ESPN.com that make a lot of people fall in love with certain prospects. That's always the most interesting thing. How many people that have never watched a second of some of these players play have now been convinced that suddenly this is the person they have to have to make their team better. That is the wildest part of the draft. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Who doesn't love that? Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, after a night off, the NBA regular season resumes tonight and the Western Conference is wide open. But I'm going to tell you why the most dangerous team in the West may actually come out of the play-in. We'll do that. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Tuesday. I'm Fitz and Harry. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry showing off them sweet, sweet moves. All right. I love I love reggae music. That's all my father listened to growing up. So wow. that's why I'm, I'm so embedded in, in reggae music. This is, this is amazing. Uh, we'll get to the NBA in a second, though. Uh, obviously, everybody watched the College Basketball National Championship last night. Just want to take a second and say congratulations to Jim Nance on a heck of a job calling all of those uh, Final Fours and championship memories that we all love so much. Uh, kudos to him on handling his last game in that situation oh, with such grace phenomenal. and such uh, absolute uh, professionalism. Can't, uh, can't imagine the emotion he felt in the moment. And uh, really cool to see somebody go out. Out to, with that fits, level of fits. style, yeah. What I love about it is, you know, at the end, it was it was like the perfect ending. Yeah. Thank you for being my friend. Like that, that was phenomenal. Yeah, by I, I, honestly, like pitch perfect. I, no. I, no. I can't imagine doing it any better. You know. Yeah, for Jim, it must be emotional knowing he's not going to be able to broadcast anything for another two days when the Masters starts on Thursday. Yeah. Well, on ESPN, well, by yeah. the way. Perfect. Oh, oh, Evan, Jim Nance. That was that was strong. What? <sighs> it, it wasn't his last broadcast. It was not. 
It was his last it final was his four. Last podcast. final four. Okay, but like he acted like he was signing off for the final time. No, he's also. Let's be honest. He's still going to do the trophy presentation at the end of every Final Four anyway. So it wasn't even the last time he's working on the Final Four. So the last time he's doing play-by-play, he's moving to a different job. Why are you so mad? Did we hit hit a nerve or something? What are we doing? Like, Did we hit a nerve? I mean... I'm just saying, like, I feel like it was beautifully done. It was perfectly done. Uh, I've had shows, I've had radio shows end that I've, you know, I've always taken the time to just, like, even though I'm on radio the next day on a different time slot, you still take a moment and be like, man, this is the end of a chapter, a, a very significant chapter for all of us. I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to miss him too. Fly in the bird. Let's go, Iron Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, so obviously a lot of conversation about the West right now. Uh, as the NBA season uh, kips back off tonight, uh, they had a night off last night, and everything gets chaotic. The question is, who's the most, most dangerous team? Well, in fact, the question about being dangerous in the West came up on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, specifically asked of Matt Barnes. Matt, who's the more dangerous team in the West, the Lakers or the Warriors? This is what he said. I'm sorry, I'm going to state just because, uh, you know, obviously that, you know, what, what they've accomplished, you know, four championships in the last eight years, uh, you know, came from the dark last year to win a championship. And again, it, it's all about experience and it doesn't get more experience than, you know, Clay, Steph and Draymond. So again, you know, the additions they made and obviously getting Wiggins back, uh, you know, them trying to figure out what their young guys are going to give them this year. I think all that's going to pay dividends. Um, come playoff time. So I would definitely, if I had to pick one as far as who's scarier, I would take over State. So, Harry, let me add a third team to this equation. I'm not mm-hmm. just going to say who's who are we more scared of. I'm not just going to say the Lakers or the Warriors. Let's throw in, since we're using the middle of the Western Conference, I don't know, the Suns into it. Who you got? I'm going Warriors. Um, I'm big on experience. I'm big on experience. And not only do Stefan, Clay, and Draymond have four rings, you also got to look at Kayvon Looney, who has three who's been with this team for a very long time. You also look at people like uh, Kaminga, uh, Gary Payton the second, who's going to be coming back. Those guys have championships uh, rings as well, along with Jordan Poole. So that experience means a lot for me, right? When I look at the Phoenix Suns, I think right now the only person that has a ring over there currently is Kevin Durant. It might be one more other person, but I know Kevin Durant for sure. And that ring, those rings that he has came from when he was with the Golden State Warriors. So that tells me a lot about this organization, a lot about this program, about their head coach, and also their core values as a team. And I don't think you could ever count those guys out. Now, if Andrew Wiggins wasn't coming back, I wouldn't even be saying this right now. But the fact that Andrew Wiggins is going to be back for this team, and that's not just, you know, one guy that you're just plugging in, 17.1 points per game. That means a lot. A guy that can defend both ends of the floor and be a difference maker, as we've seen in the NBA Finals a year ago. So that's why I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, it's your point is really well made. It's just wrong uh, because Phoenix <laughs> is clearly the team that everybody should be scared of. You're right that they don't have the championship pedigree, although they do have a run to the finals just a couple of years ago when they weren't as good as they are today because now they've added the best player in the world in Kevin Durant. So you add somebody that does have the, the experience and can be that little edge that pushes some of those guys over but you're also combining that with a team that can go a million different directions with how they beat you. They, they, they are four wide with greatness. So, you know, I think they have the opportunity. I should say goodness. I'm not going to say DeAndre Ayton's necessarily great, but they're four wide in their ability to beat you. So it, it, in a world of, of power threes, well, no, 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 this is, this is a Uh-oh. dominant four. It's a, it's a fantastic four. Uh-oh. 
Hmm? Um, the Warriors don't have a Fantastic Four. I mean, they they have a they have a pretty good four. Yeah, they have a pretty good okay, four. Okay, because Steph Curry is averaging twenty nine point five. Clay mm-hmm. Thompson's averaging twenty one point eight. Jordan mm-hmm. Poole is averaging twenty point five. Yeah, I'm not Andrew, putting Jordan Andrew Poole Wiggins in. is and Andrew Wiggins is averaging seventeen point one. I mean, I'm giving you Jordan Poole and, and Andrew Wiggins in the category of very, very, very good players. But is is you like, said Fantastic Four? Yeah, I got Fantastic Four on the other side because certainly uh, whether he's won a championship or not, Chris Paul has played at a Fantastic Four level in his life. Devin Booker is part of the Fantastic. Devin Booker is better than Jordan Peele. I don't think that's a hot take. And KD, so that gives you three. And then, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm putting DeAndre Ayton in the squarely in the House of the Rising, pretty good. Right, like he's he's, he's <laughs> House of the Rising Supermax player, right? Like uh, DeAndre Ayton has been a difference maker when he needed to be. Consistency's been an issue for him, but also he doesn't need to be that guy on this team. So you know what? You know who I put put Kayvon Looney on him. Put Looney on him. I believe in Looney. Put Looney on him. I mean, that's a weird hill to die on. Like the I believe in Kayvon Looney. Looney on him. Like we just listed all these superstars. You're like I believe in Looney. Too. <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know. I, I think you're right that the Warriors have a ton of championship expertise, and you're right that the Warriors have iconic once in a generation players, especially Stephen Clay. We all know that. I think the Suns' ability to just work in automatically KD. Obviously, health is going to be an issue, uh, but KD doesn't lose basketball games anymore. He's not on the court yeah. enough, but when he is on the court, he just doesn't lose. So. When you take a team that was already really good and you put somebody that doesn't lose on them, I think that's the equation. You guys can chime in on this. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Who would you be more scared of? Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. In the meantime, if we uh, we didn't even include the Lakers in that, neither of us picked the Lakers. The real question is when you look at the West and how packed it is and how much is on the line for so many different teams. Who's actually under the most pressure? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Not even the peaceful tones of reggae can stop the arguments that were just happening on this show during the commercial. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. As we went to break, we asked you uh, on the heels of a conversation about who you wouldn't want to face, who who can make the biggest difference in the West, the team that you're sort of scared the most of between the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Suns. We had a disagreement. And as we went to break, I simply said, who has the most pressure? That created a, a steamy debate, Harry, uh, as uh, Devin, one of our producers, got in on the conversation quickly about Chris Paul. So let me let me start this by asking, uh, like, very, very simply here. Uh, would you, right now, Harry Douglas, would you view Chris Paul differently if he, if he wins a championship this year when you're talking about Chris Paul overall in his body of work. All right. So I already have Chris Paul in a certain space. If he's able to win a championship, it would alter my thinking a, a little bit. Yes, it would. <laughs> Why? Like, here's the, here's the thing. Like, to me, and, and Devin's, Devin's losing legacy, his mind over here. Go ahead. Leg- legacies are defined by championships. Legacies a, are defined a, by greatness. It's, 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 it's a piece of it's a piece of the legacy. Legacy being able to win championships. Nah, see, legacies are about greatness. You can be a terrible player that rides the coattails of great ones to get a championship. We shouldn't view you any differently because you did that. You can also be a great player. But we're Dan, not talking about we're not talking about terrible players though. No, but but legacy. We're not talking, and, I know so you, you but, can throw that one out the door. Uh, uh, well, no, you can't because you just said that championships yeah, are part of the conversation. Yeah, but we're not. But the but you asking me that is not me. To, 
thinking about no terrible-ass player fits. Well, I'm thinking about a guy that can lift his team and lead his team to a championship. So d- I'm not, when this conversation started, we're not talking about no, hey, the 10th guy that's riding the bench on a championship team. That's not what he's we're talking about. He's got a ring, and, and then the flip side of it is fine. So does that mean Dan Marino <laughs> uh-huh. wasn't a great quarterback? Like, do I suddenly view it Dan Marino It would have took his legacy to another level. Yes. Yeah. It would have took his legacy no to another level. He's a quarterback, but if he wins a championship, absolutely he's viewed differently. Uh, why? It's, a, it's an individual uh, in, legacy is an individual accomplishment. Championships are team accomplishments. You can't tell me that you don't have great players that go through their whole career. They are the best at what they do, and they simply aren't in the situation to so, win a championship. So, so, so can I ask you a question? Of course. Well, we have this LeBron and Jordan talk if LeBron wouldn't wouldn't have won a championship. I think the LeBron-Jordan talk is already the stupidest no, thing in the I'm world. No, ju- I'm just, but I'm asking you a question. If LeBron doesn't win those championships, are we having this conversation about Jordan and LeBron? Uh, I, I'll say this. I don't think championships matter in the conversation of who's better. It's a yes or no. It's a yes or no. Uh, well, if LeBron, if LeBron doesn't win championships, yeah, we're still having this conversation. Uh, yeah, we're still having this conversation. <laughs> He's the single greatest scorer in the, the history ca- of the NBA. The you think we're not having? Devin, please, you think? So you think wait, 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 wait. You think we're not going to have a conversation about the biggest score, the greatest score in the history of the game, simply because he doesn't win enough championships? Like this is maddening. Why? Why is the championship part of it? I mean, I heard, I heard the conversations about UConn talking about. Well, they don't make the final four enough. North Carolina's made the final four twenty. 21 times. Who gives a damn how many times you made the final so, four? You didn't so win. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Let me ask you another question. So, why is it so imperative that Aaron Rodgers wins another one? It isn't. I don't it think isn't. it matters. Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> legacy is Aaron Rodgers' legacy. You think he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer that's still considered one of the greatest of all time if he doesn't win another Super Bowl? Come on. What's been the narrative? Can I answer the question? Is he one he's of the been, greatest? He's been able. Is he one of the greatest of all time that goes in first ballot Hall of Fame if he doesn't touch yes, the playoffs but again? But it's something to be said if you have multiple championships versus one. Why Jim Plunkett? There's has a lot two, of people. Jim Plunkett has two Hall of Fame one. rings or two Super Bowl rings, and he's not a Hall of Famer. So, well, like, how, how many quarterbacks can just sit up here and say they have two though? Uh, he's one of to sit up here and say he's have, one of the few and he's he's one Aaron of the Rogers few Aaron Rodgers isn't Aaron Rodgers isn't he's one of the few and he's the only one he other one. he's he's the only one other than Eli Manning at this point who hasn't yet been able to be eligible to the Hall of Fame that they, they there are only why two was, quarterbacks that have two he, Super Bowl rings that are not in the Hall of Fame Jim Plunkett's one of them so because he has two why ho- is it so imperative that Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl this season uh, it, it wasn't he's when, still when the greatest comes, of all when, when he's it comes still the greatest current a goat talk when it when, when you compare it to uh, Tom Brady, why why was it so important for for Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl this year? It wasn't to me. See, this is the whole thing. Like, you can go out and show individual greatness at what you do, and just because you're in a situation where maybe one of your teammates lets you down, maybe the coach lets you down, maybe somebody's not healthy at the right time, maybe something just goes haywire. Like, there are too many variables in a championship that you simply can't control individually. We, as a society, get bored talking about the X's and O's, so we make the championship all of the conversation. But then we turn around and we belittle the championships from the 60s and 70s. We turn around and belittle the accomplishments from previous generations because that wasn't what we're seeing right now. So we pick and choose where champions matter, where championships matter, where championships don't. The fact is, if you are individually dominant at what you do, then you are one of the greatest of all time, whether you get a ring from it or not. Why, why, why do people bother Charles Barkley all the time? When Shaq and Kenny and those guys, they give him a hard time because what? He didn't win what? Yeah, well, okay. I mean, so you're saying like you're saying, okay, what if you don't win one because maybe some, your other team lets you down? Well, what about the players who rise in that moment and win? Is exactly. that not more important? 
I mean, that can be I mean, a the great moment. Peak. Is that does, is that not a, a, a notch in their belt? It is a notch. Sure, okay. it's it's, yeah, a, it's a part of their legacy. It's a it's part, a part yeah, of their of legacy. Course. Like if you have the greatest game of your life in a Super Bowl, yeah, ab- absolutely, that's a part of your legacy. If you don't ever get to a Super Bowl, I'm not going to fault you for it. You can get a bonus tick for being the greatest of all time in a Super Bowl without necessarily being faulted for not even getting to one. What if like, you have? What if you're the one who has the dud in the Super Bowl? <laughs> I think then you have to look at the context of the rest of it. I mean, again, Dan that's Mar- going to be a part of your legacy as well. <laughs> Dan Marino was 0-1 in the Super Bowl. He was 0-1 in the Super Bowl. Is he still, when I was a kid, was he still the best or one of the best quarterbacks we ever saw in that generation? Hell yeah. Am I ever going to look at Dan Marino and say, oh my God, well, you didn't win a Super Bowl, so you don't belong in this Mount Rushmore conversation? No. no. But, a, but a Super Bowl would have elevated Lots of talks when it came to Dan Marino, though. A Super Bowl would have mattered for Dan Marino. Yes, it would have mattered. A Super Bowl would... If you win it and you have the game of your life, sure, it can be a credit. It doesn't have to be a subtraction if you don't. That's all I'm saying. Like uh, To me, whether or not Jordan has a, an undefeated record in the finals uh, and whether or not LeBron doesn't, I, I don't care about that. Like The, the, the totality said- of the work is, is what matters. <laughs> But you just said that we'll still be having this Jordan-LeBron conversation if LeBron James wouldn't have Oh, my God, we would because anymore. he's the leading scorer of all time. Because he's, he's done something in his life that nobody else has ever done. So, obviously, we're going to find a way. Like, hell, we, we found a way to cram the Lakers into every conversation when they sucked this year. We'll find a way to have the debate about LeBron all day because people care about it. That's why we have the LeBron debate, not because it's an actual valid debate. We do it because it's the sports bar conversation that everybody wants to gravitate to like there's really Michael Jordan versus LeBron is the adult equivalent of my dad versus your dad there's absolutely nothing conversation boss if LeBron James don't have those so we're just ignoring the single greatest score in history if LeBron doesn't have those championships we're not having those conversations so we're ignoring we are ignoring the greatest score in history if he doesn't win a championship we're not looking at the Lakers or whatever organization and saying how did you fail him we are still who did he take the record from who did he take the record from uh, Kareem uh, okay Kareem has what a bunch of championships. Who's the better player? Kareem has more championships. Who's the better player? If LeBron has zero championships, we're not comparing him to Michael Jordan. Yeah, Hell again, you're, no. moving, you're moving the goalposts all if, over the place. If, if, if it's if, Kareem if LeBron versus, has one championship, we're not comparing him. If, if he Kareem, only has two, we're not comparing better? him to Kareem Michael Jordan. Kareem has more rings. Who's better, Kareem or LeBron? Kareem has more rings. So if championships are all that matter, are you telling me Kareem's better than LeBron? Is that the hill you're going to die on? Kareem is solidified as a lady. Who's better? Who's better? <laughs> Kareem is solidified as a lady. Answer the, you just told me that. answer the question. We know the he's, answer to the question. And by the way, Harry and I are going to be on first take Thursday at 10 a.m. We'll keep it going. From the title game to a top pick in the draft, we'll tell you what we're talking about next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 